0: Hello there and welcome to Influencers Café, this is Nikos, your host, today I'm with Stephen Klemmick. How you doing buddy?
1: G'day.
0: Yeah, very good, nice to be here. I'm so glad I managed to organise this interview after, what, six months or something. Time. Something like that, going back and forward. Scotsman and the Aussie. Yeah, they seem to travel quite a lot. <laughs> so I'm sitting here and, and uh, it's just uh, mid-November and it's a lovely sunny day in London and I had a little cycle this morning, feeling Feel nice and awake, sitting here with some freshly filtered coffee and some jaffa cakes and chopped uh, bread or something.
1: Mm. So, how how you doing, sir? Very good, thank you. It's nice to see the sun in London. Uh, how, how long? How many years have you been in London? Uh, four years, for four and a half years. Right. Uh, my wife and I came here with two suitcases each. uh, (laughs) our business went global we were travelling through London for the last 10 or 12 years um, and then we just went like it's from Australia everything's a long way away Mm. so we packed two suitcases each rented a place in London for a year and um, the rest is history one becomes three very quickly and uh, we bought ourselves a lovely 1881 Victorian Terrace Mm-hmm. in shepherd's bush my daughter calls it Shabu.
0: <laughs> it's lovely it's it's lot sort of like the house i'm staying in but it's sort of wider and uh, it's got double glazing which is
1: very nice in the wintertime yeah yeah it's great it's very quintessential london um and it's lovely to be it's an amazing city yeah cool
0: and you were based in australia before that
1: yep yeah, yeah based in sydney We are doing four round-the-world trips a year, living out of aeroplanes and hotels. We'd go clockwise or counterclockwise around the world servicing clients and not getting back to our own bed. So you you said that it's something
0: very easy to do, four round-the-world trips a year. Yeah. And what's a round-the-world trip?
1: Well, you'd leave Australia and go up to Asia and work and then come across to the UK and Europe and work, come down to the US and work and back to Sydney. Or the other way around, Sydney, U.S., U.S., U.K., U.K., Asia, back into Sydney. Right. And um, that all sounds very romantic. My mother thought, all you do is just travel the world. Um, But those people who have done a lot of corporate travel uh, know what it's like of living out of a hotel room. And, um, you know... The, the traveling takes it out of you so we, if we're living in London um, we can go into these places and come back mm-hmm. it's so much more accessible and the time zone as well Australia down under it's a long way from everywhere the time zone you know, at the moment between here and Australia is 11 hours difference mm-hmm. so it's been great being part of London being able to go into the, um, countries uh, around the globe come back to London Back to our own
0: so little S- pad. <laughs> so, Stephen, you've got quite an access
1: for the coaching type business. Yeah, we're, we're involved in corporate leadership development, right. culture development, um, you know, team development. But, but really, it's personal development. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing that for over 30 years. <laughs> so, so what's
0: your what's your website that people can
1: find you at called? Oh, it's called the heart mm-hmm. dot com. So, and the, the brand, we believe the style of the way we do life comes from the heart. Okay. Heart. Okay. Styles. We believe the way you parent, the way you play sport, the way you lead an organization, um, just the way you do life, it comes from the heart. So if your heart's all frustrated, angry, upset, uh, the style of the way you behave will manifest from that. Mm-hmm. But if your heart is compassionate and your heart is in a really good place that you want the best for everybody, not just about me, 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 but Mm. we, your style of leadership, your style of behavior. And I always use sport a lot because if you look at a great sportsman that comes from a hard attitude of we for our team, that person portrays a very different style than someone who's in the sport playing it for me 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 mm-hmm. and um, that's where we came up with the brand heart styles mm-hmm.
0: i think that's quite a needed area in life because a lot of influencers out there you know a very it's a very aggressive style of business for the you know made for the top one percent of people or the top ten percent one-tenth of a one-percent of people. <laughs> and, like and And you watch all these videos and you, you get really aggressive, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it kind of, it makes you, an i quite an angry person, I find. You know, I find, you know, uh, this is my experience. And um, I don't know how you escape that cycle because if you're driven driven by money and competition and you're, you're working 90 hours a week, you, you could be quite a, internally, quite angry person. I think that a lot of business people it's good for them to sort of find ways to relieve some of that, that tension and mm. get rid of that anger you know so i'm i'm all i'm all for
1: it <laughs> there you go well it's interesting because i like went the, the language of business is money and a, a business has to make money right and we've just seen in london since i've lived here in the last four years how many businesses have gone bust And um, that's that's very unfortunate for the brand, for the business, and of course, the employees and their families. So uh, without a shadow of a doubt, the language of business is to make money. The next thing is our approach to doing that. Our approach to the leadership and the culture in the organization. And can we have a healthy culture and still produce results and get the results we need by having a a culture that is more achievement driven, that is more uh, thinking of other people. And this is where uh, the study that we did for 18 years to develop our tool. Wow. um, We have identified eight specific behaviors that hold an organization and people back, even though they get results. And then we've looked at the eight behaviors they get results, but also build a great culture.
0: Wow! Almost living in London, it seems like mutually exclusive things. So I'm fascinated. <laughs> no, to know no it's if it's possible you can actually be nice to
1: people and make some some dough, <laughs> or, or you know what? Or... Is it only the Scottish that know how to do that? Is it <laughs> <laughs> to be nice with people and make some money? Is it? I mean, the Scottish <laughs> want to save money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just great watching people shift their mindset. We've been, you know, in corporate life, we've been brought up with this aggressiveness, as you talked about, mm-hmm. and aggressiveness drives results. And people live in fear, and there's all of this fear and ego bouncing around in the corporate sector. And you know what, people are over it. Yes, it can make you money, but people are over it. And then of course, what it does, it stifles innovation. And this is what's happened to a lot of these organizations that have gone bust, because they're not innovating they get um, behind the eight balls, they say. And um, when you've got an organisation that's driving results with a great culture, it's very innovative, very nimble, and people are happy to m- admit mistakes quickly and fix them. Come up with the next big idea. Big leaders listen to people all through the organisation, front line to the CEO, are all in it together. And it's pretty exciting to be around. It creates good energy and. All the millennials and whatever, Gen X, I hate labelling people, but just as a term, um, people want to come and have a voice at work and want to be heard. And all of that aggressive uh, behaviour just creates fear. So people just get to do their job. And You know how we've had sayings, that person's got their heart in it and let's get to the heart of the matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that person spoke from the heart or that person's losing heart. You know, if you think about it, for decades we've been using those terms, heart, but we never actually realise what we mean, when all we're doing is crushing hearts and making people feel fearful. And the only way you get ahead is to become aggressive. So you've either got a very fearful heart or an ego-driven heart. And that's why the behaviours we see are not as effective as they could be whilst we're still wanting to drive results and make money. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if this anger in society is sort of driven driven by our uh, expenditures, because we see all these celebrities, you know, with our Lamborghinis and their fancy houses. So it's almost like a pressure to keep up with the Joneses that's never been part of society as much in the last ten years. So our our spending habits have increased. So therefore, our stress is increased to to get
1: the money to keep supplying this lifestyle. Yeah, well, it's interesting you, you say that because what we've always tried to do in our work is not necessarily explain the what but explain why we do the things we do. So let's take the topic you've just talked about that people are, are trying to keep up with the Joneses and have all of this um, status and have the right shoes and have the right look. And all. Well, what that's really saying is that that person needs outside-in gratification. Their heart, their self-worth, their character strength is not strong enough. So what they do is try and get an outside-in recognition. Now that can be the car I drive, the the job title I have, um, and it can be various other things that say, I'm okay if I've got this. And what that is, is just feeding the ego. The ego is so desperately hungry that it will get anything from the outside. Whereas when someone says, I know who I am, I know where I'm going, I know my values, and I'm going to live out of that, then they don't need all of those external things. Mm -hmm. So it's good to have them, but do I need them for my self-worth? So it's very nice to to have nice things. We work hard, but if I'm getting those nice things to boost my self worth, to boost my character, um, it it you, you've never got enough. Yeah, and that's what drives us to need more and more and more. So we we fake it till we make it. I don't know whether <laughs> I don't know whether we ever make it. That saying came out in the 80s or something. Mm-hmm. Fake it till you make it, and yeah, there's it's, it's
0: a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs is, is cool, as Gary V says. I can't pronounce his second name. It's too, he says it's too cool. You know, a lot of people have this idea that um, entrepreneurship is something easy, yeah. um, but it's uh, you. Eventually, a lot of people that are faking it right now are getting called out. Yeah, is um not, they've not even started businesses, and they're they're teaching other people how to do it. So it's uh, it's not a good way. So terms of the word ego
1: what is what is ego well um i've got a little acronym it's evicting the good out in our hearts there's a lot of good and gold right there's a lot of good in our hearts uh-huh. there's a lot of gold in them their hills but when you don't live out of that you have to to feed that ego you have to feed the good you have to make yourself feel good look good and and it's do i feel secure do i feel i'm cool do i feel i'm accepted and if you are not doing if you've not found a way of of knowing that you're within yourself worth you will need to feed that some other way now um there, there is a there is a, you know, a, thought out there of what is the positive part of ego. Um, but what, what we're referring to when we say ego-driven pride, that's when I've got to be more competitive than anybody else. I've got to be smarter than everybody else. I've got to control the world. I've got to be perfect. And that ego-driven pride is basically saying... Tell me from the outside world that I'm okay. So, mm-hmm. as I said, look good, be quicker, faster, smarter, and it's blooming tiring. Yeah, <laughs> it's exhausting. Yeah. So, what do you do when you're exhausted? Well, you have another drink, or you have another some substance that substitutes the tiredness. Yeah. yeah. And then the pressure comes on. that's that something stimulates that and. Our behaviour just becomes, I've got to control everything around me because if if I'm out of control, I'm just going to completely lose it. So um, the ego, it's a normal part of life. A lot of people, when you look at this, say good, bad. Well, like the ego is just a very normal part of life. But if that's all we're going to live out of, we don't become our best self. Our character strength doesn't actually get stronger; we just live out of this. I've got to be better, and and it never satisfies. And you could probably name a few people we see in the world that have become very, very high profile, um, and they still it's still never enough.
0: Yeah, some of these guys I watch them and and like their their aim is to basically be remembered for. Having either accumulated wealth or or created wealth, but that doesn't affect them. You know, once they're gone, there's not going to benefit them, right? So, what mm. what is the point of dying with all this money?
1: Well, isn't there there's, there's that lovely what? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Yeah, and you know we we've heard that many a time. So let's go for both, because if, if you're in a position where you've got a, a, a position of power, let's say you're a big CEO and you've got position of power, which is you know a lovely place to be, and you're making truckloads of money. Then how do you use the force for good? Yeah. So how do you use that position, that power, that money for good? How do you create an organization? We talk about purpose beyond profit, gotta make profit, but what's your purpose beyond profit?
0: Purpose beyond profit.
1: I like that. And what's your meaning beyond money? So, as a CEO, make sure your organisation is making money and make sure it is profitable. Now, what's the meaning you put into that business beyond money, and what is the purpose that you instill into your people beyond profit? Now, that's using the force for good, Luke. You know, that's where um, you can make such a difference and then you know be generous if you've got wealth then you know we're very fortunate those of us that that have wealth how can we use that and be generous and how can we use that philanthropically that makes a difference outside of the business Mm -hmm. so i i think it's fantastic that that ceos um, if you're a leader of a of a sporting team if you're a leader of a small team within an organization and you've got position how can you create that to get great results for the business as we said make money make profit for the business great but what's the meaning and purpose beyond that hmm. which always leads us to another question because you know, what is the meaning and purpose for people beyond their work so have they got passion? Has people who come to work got passion beyond pay? Mm-hmm. Now, if an organisation is giving them purpose and meaning, when I go to work, you know, I'm the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, how do I get passion for what I'm doing just beyond my paycheck?
0: No idea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be honest, I've been a bit detached from uh, employee mentality or because I'm cause a contractor. It's very you either make the work on your you know off the off the books you know, sense, yeah. right so it's, i'm I'm interested to know what it's like to be an
1: employee in a company that has that kind of culture uh, if it's possible well some of the one of you know some of the organizer the biggest organization we work with's got one point seven million employees like get your head around that around the globe I don't know any companies that big yeah and The CEO is about giving people uh, education and meaning beyond just coming in. And um, and, one of those organizations, and they won't mind me mentioning that, is KFC. So you're working for KFC, but what can the organization give you to develop you as a person that you go home and become a better parent, partner in your community, and as an organization believes in you as a person, not just some resource that comes in and serves a customer and cooks chicken, mm-hmm. how, and when an organization and this organization says, no, we're going to give you personal development. We're going to give you a program called leading and living with heart. And they take that home, they create a passion beyond pay because it's helping them with their personal life. Right. And that's how you that's how you create it but of course that costs the organization money to do that and some say well I'm not prepared to spend that sort of money I'm happy to spend money on getting them to cook chicken and 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 serve the customer but not on their personal development for goodness sake but yeah. that's the key yeah
0: how do you i can understand that for the professional class but is it possible to roll that along people that are working on an hourly wage? I mean, how how's that even
1: possible? Well, that's where the organization is, is taken on that responsibility to be able to get across the organization from, you know, the CEO to, you know, an area coach helps the restaurant managers. The restaurant managers get this education and they help their team. Right. And everybody's speaking the same language, it becomes a culture. Right. It's a culture you know, of personal development, becoming your best self, not just in the workplace. Mm. And becoming the best person I can. And obviously, they get some people who go, man, I'm smarter than I thought I was. And I am going to go and get an education that I, that I never got. Mm. And some people leave the business because they then decide they're going to go and do adult education or they're going to go to university and they go on to do amazing things. And that organization gets an incredible amount of meaning and purpose because they've helped someone become their best self. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they've got loads and loads of people who've just come in for a job. They're doing it, they they just come in to get the hourly wage. Yeah. And all of a sudden, their restaurant manager believes in them. Their restaurant manager says, you're a really cool person and you've got potential And they, restaurant manager in a blooming KFC, starts to believe in their team and believe in their people. And then when they start to believe, the people start to belong. Mm -hmm. And they have a sense of belonging. And when they believe and belong, they then start to behave differently. They start to behave that they're engaged with a customer. They're not just sitting there going, I hate this job. There is a culture, there is an atmosphere, there's a spirit in and strangely enough, it actually produces results. And you know, these organisations measure if we're doing this, how does it impact that? How does it impact the results? Mm-hmm. So um, you know, a high-performing team has less turnover. They have a vibe in their restaurant that, for somehow, creates more turnover. Same store sales growth. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just amazing watching people who have come from different backgrounds. Some of these people have come from brokenness, Nicholas. They've come from pretty tough lives. Mm -hmm. And they go and get a job. And they get a job where a company believes in them as people, accepts them for who they are, and tries to bring out the best in them. Man, that is powerful. That is that is incredibly powerful and uh, i'm just at times in awe of some of these restaurant managers that get a hold of some young people and bring out their potential because someone believes in them mm-hmm. so you know, that that's putting heart in business
0: so and um, personal development is that you ever had to sing uh in the coding world as i seen it goes something like uh what if you train your developers and they leave, and you say what if you don't train them and they stay? Right. <laughs> so obviously, if you're training people, and giving them more skills, in a the sense they're more attractive to the market, other competitors, even if they do leave, they've came away with, you know, a good relationship with you. So as they if they do leave, you can always say to them, look, if there's other people that want to replace you, you can you can bring them along because you you know they've been benefited by the company. So. People are leaving, but they've got a good idea or they've got a good uh, good feelings towards you as, a, as an employer. So
1: you can sort of use them as, as potential recruitment agents somehow. <laughs> you know, well, they do. I mean, some some people leave and they go onto something, and off, off they go and they go into a different career. And great, some people leave and come back uh, in organisations, and there's many a story because people will come back for the culture. Some people are lured away by earning you know, some some more more money, and it's, sometimes it's not much. But once again, the stronger the culture, the stronger we belong. And recognition there's you know there's there's recognition there's I've got peer purpose I belong here. And at the same time, we've got to pay people what they're worth. Um, it's it's a bit of a no-brainer at times that if you've got that sort of atmosphere, people are going to stay longer. And yes, uh, at times, people do go on to bigger and better things. And a CEO or an organisation that thinks like this just goes, that's fine, that's that's part of our purpose, and Mm -hmm. people move on. So
0: you've developed quite a robust methodology teaching that you've obviously gained many years of experience can you just give us a, a background of where you came from you know professionally academically and then how you built up this to the world this this,
1: this mm. company the last four years well um, well thirty thirty years. <laughs> <Over> 30 <laughs> years 30 <ago>. years god <laughs> I started when I was 10 um, 10 not really no I um, only do you want cake quite, lately <laughs> uh, I've had oh, oh, no, 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 the cakes I've mentioned. had my cake okay Um, Look, I'll I'll wind the clock back as as quick as I can I came from a very broken dysfunctional background when I was 19 I read a book that changed my life and it steered me on a completely different course and a lot of people would have heard of that book How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie I know in my generation um, it had a big influence on a lot of people Um, And then I went into corporate life and wherever I ended up in corporate life ended up building great teams and great culture and um, eventually uh, when I was in my early 30s I was asked to go and work for a training and development organisation and um, I did Went and worked for them doing all of this training and development, leadership, team development and we were using a lot of tools. Um, that I think are very good. They're, they're type personality profiling tools. Most people have done like a Myers Briggs or an Insights. Or yeah, they're fantastic tools. They help. They help us understand type difference. And we started using those in the business for many many years. And um, I also got to a point where we started our own organisation, which was a combination of using those tools understanding psychology and using the outdoors as a training ground to help leaders become more effective so we would take people away for three or four days we would teach them the difference of personality types we would talk about culture and leadership but i would also give them an outdoor task like a simulated search and rescue because my background is also mountaineering and rock climbing oh really So I combined these three passions of mine. So after five or six years of doing that, what I realized is the most effective leaders are the people who came from the heart, not just from the head. They had a great heart attitude. They weren't living out of fear and ego, pride. They they had something different. And that's when my wife and I, who worked together in this business, this is back in 1994, sat t- together and said, we want to develop a tool that measures heart, character and behaviour. So um, is that? Is that how, how
0: do you tell somebody's living from, what was it, anger and fear or ego? Yeah, so self-limiting fear uh-huh. or ego-driven pride. Right. And, and your tools detect that or, or, yep. or, or help the person realize that
1: they're operating from that? Yeah, because the, those, if you're living out of that in your heart, you'll manifest behavior. So if you're living out of self-limiting fear, for, forget about our tool. Just think if you're sitting in Starbucks and you've got a group of people and they're living out of fear, they're going to be very self-protective, mm-hmm. passive very approval-seeking and not the very decisive and very, very fearful defensively in their behaviour. Like, oh, yes. And what are behavior? they afraid of? Well, the bottom line is they're afraid of rejection. Right. They're afraid of criticism. They're afraid of not being good enough. They're afraid of uh, making a mistake. They're afraid of speaking up and people laughing at them. Mm-hmm which all goes back to rejection. The other side of that is that we say, well, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to go and take the world and I'm just going to go and win. So this is the ego-driven pride. Mm -hmm. So those behaviours will look like I'm going to be more competitive than anybody else. I'm going to be a winner and a grinner. I'm going to be perfectionist. I'm going to make sure I'm in control. I'm going to be the smartest person in the room. Right. And when you see those behaviours, you start to go, don't look at the behaviour, look at what's driving the behaviour. What's driving the behaviour can be self-limiting fear, ego-driven pride.
0: But don't you think the ego could maybe get you to that place of success
1: faster than if you were just more passive, I guess? That's right. That's why we revert to it. That's exactly why we revert to it. But is there a better way of being able to operate which and those behaviors by the way what we call below the line okay so is there a way of operating above the line where you're still driving results where you're still wanting to make sure things are done well but you're being very authentic you're prepared to have two ears and one mouth instead of one mouth and two ears you are a person who if you're a leader you're prepared to listen to others you're prepared to be strong and also admit mistakes. You're prepared to drive results based on we, not on me. And what that does, even though it's driving results, it's not coming out of ego-driven pride, it comes out of what we call courageous humility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So you think of courageous humility, someone who's a, a leader, someone who you admire. Just think of the people that you would admire and let's take someone we, we all admire across the globe, Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. Courageous humility. Was courageous in what he said, led a nation, went through what he went through in prison, but was humble. Now, when you get someone who comes from that heart attitude, people want to follow that person. So that's the difference between ego-driven pride leadership and courageous humility leadership. It's not wussy-wussy, it's still very strong, it's still courageous, but there is something where people are prepared to listen. People are prepared to admit mistakes. People's yes is their yes and their no is their no. They press on to something bigger than themselves. Courageous, humble people, are, as I said earlier, have got purpose beyond profit meaning beyond money the next part of this research that we did is how can we then add if that's I'm going to drive results how do we then deal with people and we deal with people out of growth driven love the new four letter word for (laughs) the world is how do we drive results and build a culture where we have respect, honour love we love our football team Mm -hmm. we love our kids we love our wife. they're all different types of love and uh the greeks have got you know five words for for love we've only got one so to summarize all of that we've got four quadrants and we've got this quadrant of courageous humility and growth driven love they're above the line courageous humility i've never heard that before
0: no, it takes a lot of courage to be humble. I don't, I don't understand. How, how can you be
1: courageous and humble at the same time? Well, that's when, you, when you're prepared to listen to others. It's not just my idea. That takes courage. It takes courage to say, you know what, guys? This isn't working. Let's sit down and fix it quickly because ego will, will have us live in denial. So having the courage to be hum- humble, having the courage to listen,
0: so if, you, if you're a leader and you're taking your organisation in a certain way and then if somebody comes up with a, an idea that's better than yours and then you quickly change your direction and follow them, maybe people might wonder about how sure you are of yourself. Maybe you have to sort of delay your humility in a sense or do you think that, it's, that there's no if, if it's a better way to do it,
1: if you switch quickly, that's better? Than- yeah, so you switch, switch, switch and that's where one of the mindsets of above the line is being able to have achievement thinking and being able to sit together and say, all right, if this is not working and we've got another idea and another idea and another idea, just, just imagine going into a meeting with six people and we're trying to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And you've got six people with six opinions. The, the, the best result that we could get at the time will be because everyone is courageously humble. Everyone speaks their truth. And, and everyone listens to each other's ideas, doesn't get attached to their idea, and the chances of us making the best decision at that particular meeting would be if we were all courageously humble. I'm going to listen to your idea, you're going to listen to mine, we're going to debate them, we're going to genuinely listen and not be defensive to my idea is the best idea, and the chances of us walking out of that meeting with the best idea that particular day, it might not be the, not be the right solution because you might have to go and try it. We're living in a world of build, measure, learn. You've got to get out there and try something, measure it. If it doesn't work, be nimble enough to change it. Now, you're not going to be nimble. You're not going to be innovative. You're not going to listen to each other if you're coming from ego-driven pride. Everyone is going to be defensive in that meeting the person probably with the loudest voice or the most authority can can win because all the people who are living in fear will just go, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. <laughs> you know, okay, let's not rock the boat here and we'll just go along with the big voices and we'll go and try it, even though underneath I'm saying it's not going to work. So that's where courageous humility, it's a completely different mindset and that's got to come from the heart because if the heart is saying... I've got to be better than someone else. I've got to prove myself. Mm. Guess what the behaviour is going to be? You're not going to listen.
0: To be honest with you, all the mistakes that I've made as is, is a you know, in my software careers, because of pretty much me being low under the line line you know, behaviour, ego, <laughs> yeah. and ego is sometimes that it's hard to get rid of as a software engineer because uh, your code is quite personal. You yes. can see your work, you know. Ooh, yeah. The, and especially if you spent like two or three days on something, it's it's, it's even you're getting paid for it. It's like you it's it's like something you've done. You know, it's really uh, personal sometimes. So it's certainly an issue that I'm trying to reduce. You know, and to uh, especially getting into more higher level management like areas within software. Um, I, I think my ego has cost me.
1: More money than I care to. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't it all? Yeah. You know, I can sit and talk about all this stuff. I've written a book about it, all of that, but I still got to deal with it every day. Because you've got, like, this this is my idea and I've put all of this energy and I've created this, and like you are with code, and you spent three days there, and someone starts to say, I think we could do this better. That becomes that personal attack. Yeah, Yeah. And the ego goes, whoa. And the personal attack can also make you become very passive and and revert into your little corner. So, um, the, and, and like what we've tried to describe to people, this is not right or wrong. Right. It's normal to have this fear and pride happening in our lives. What character development is, and we call strengthening the heart, strengthening our character. Character development is becoming um, aware of all of this and when those situations are stimulating us to go below the line we stay above the line yeah and that's what character strength in it's a hard attitude to say okay they're not attacking me let's see if we can sort this out together but if you've only got two or three people in the room like that and then you've got two or three people coming from ego it's it's not going to be the greatest meeting. You've got six people coming from Ego. Yeah. So what's fantastic is because now we've got a model and a framework. There are these four quadrants and 16 behaviours. And when we learn all of this together, we can, if we're prepared to have a great culture, we say, well, we're going below the line here.
0: So I'm thinking about the leaders that I know in life and, uh, Okay, above the line and below the line, and the people that are—I can now classify this thing—courageous humility and and put it to put it to her face. Mm -hmm. Those leaders, you sort of want to please them. You want to—you don't want to disappoint them. You don't want to hurt them. That's right. And and the ones that Mm -hmm. are ego-driven, when things don't go very well for them, you know, you're not very supportive of them, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's hard for them to come back to reach that point. Of where they once were when they were at the top. So it's like if you're ego driven to Belton, you're sort of removing some of your insurance policies, your, your, um, your safety barrier. But if, you, if you've got that courageous humility, then there is a the safety
1: barrier, and that safety barrier is the people that will support you in hard times. Sure. And therefore, that pushes, and ha- having the courageous humility, the next thing is have you got the respect and the honour? And the love, back to the four-letter word, but have you got the respect and honour and love for someone even when they're being below the line? Yeah. It's easier to like people when we're all above the line. Yeah. So how can you go, whoa, that person is way below the line. Now, am I going to stick the knife in and judge them or am I going to go, whoa, they're not in their best place at the moment? yeah that's where it takes a big leader that's what a big leader is courageous humility and a leader who's prepared to come from growth driven love it grows others it grows yourself as you're honoring and respecting others it actually grows you but it also allows you to grow others it's not just being kumbaya let's sit around and hug each other if you want to develop someone you're also going to give them feedback you're going to be honest with them so it's not you know all just sitting around tree-hugging and nicey-nicey. In fact, the organisations we work with that have incorporated this into the, their culture say the culture is more robust because we're not game-playing anymore. We're actually coming into a meeting with six people, as I said earlier. We're all very robust. We're being authentic. We're speaking our truth. We're agreeing and disagreeing with each other. We're listening to each other, respecting each other. The meeting is very robust, very respectful of people's time and, of course, much more productive when it comes to outcomes. Mm -hmm. We go out there, we implement something, it doesn't work, we come back a month later, three months later and say, this is just not working. Let's not blame anyone. Let's not point the figures. Let's fix it. Right. And let's admit what's not working. Now, if you look at these organisations that have gone bust in the UK, maybe, maybe if their leadership were coming together years ago when Amazon's coming in and, and online is coming in and disrupting them. Yeah. Maybe if they were quicker and more nimble, they could have seen that coming and come up with a different strategy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that. But, but where we're coming from is if you're operating above the line, maybe you've got more of a chance
0: Yeah,
1: of being more nimble, getting the right strategies and the right decisions. And, um you know, you've only just got to look out there and see sometimes how ineffective we all can be. Yeah, there's two things that I've seen now in my own
0: life is that when I'm... If I have an argument at work, the next day I'm not looking forward to going into work because I've got a high stress level. It's mm. not it's not nice at all to have any type of um, contentions at work. Um, and in regards to being the bigger leader, I, I noticed once in myself and a team that I've, I'm, I'm running, one of my main guys... Who was like one of the biggest contributors and in, in what in the team? I I made some a uh, uh, move in this community to do a certain thing, and he was he was almost he was offended by it, and he was very open about it amongst my other leaders, and he and, and even personally insulted me, right, amongst <laughs> the guys, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, then he just uh, he just left, and so but he, as as I was talking to the other other staff, I was basically saying, look, well maybe he'll come back sometime. I wasn't I didn't I I didn't criticize him, you know, I mm-hmm. just said this is just I mitigated some of this the fallout. Three or four months later, he comes back uh onto the this team and uh he kind of proved him proved himself and I kind of pushed him up through the responsibilities again and now he's back much more respectful, much more um mm-hmm always uh, been you know it's, it's great to have him back again but, and, and that the fact that I never got angry with him or belittled when he left yeah. when he comes back then well now he's back it's, he's, he's a great member of the community
1: yeah yeah fantastic and that's just back to these values so that's where like it's taken a long time for me to answer your original question what happened what happened back in 1994 as we said we need to get a tool that measures character which is your heart strength so it took us 18 years' work, 18 years of research of coming up with these four values humility, love, pride, and fear, the 16 behaviors, research them. We partnered with the University of British Columbia. We did all our statistical research with them. And we ended up with this model, Heart Styles, the model that people go online now. And uh, it's, it's a tool that they can get their desired outcome, they can get where, where they think they're at at the moment. And also where they use it as what they call a three hundred and sixty tool. So I do I answer the question on myself, and then I ask three to fifteen other people to answer it on me. And uh, that's the Heart Styles tool, uh, based on those four values and and the behaviours that we see. So it's um it's helping a lot of people, helping a lot of organisations.
0: So if an organisation wants to get in touch with you, how do they go about it, and what
1: does your involvement look like? Do you do you... Uh, well, there's the website, and of course, we've got a whole team. But we work in three three stages measure, activate, cultivate. Mm. So let's measure what's going on for people using the tool. So if I've got a, a thousand people in the organization, and a thousand people do the heart styles indicator. Is that
0: like, is that like an event where a thousand people turn up? And...
1: Well, a thousand, well, a thousand people go online and right. answer the survey. Right, right. And they keep the results personally for themselves but we aggregate those results so the organization can see their operating culture so that's the measure right then we activate learning programs leading with heart programs coaching with heart so we've got all of these programs that we activate and that's when you attend a course and then we cultivate Now, what we do with big organisations is we train trainers to be able to deliver this. Right, see. So they become interdependent. So, you you know, the organisation I mentioned earlier, you've got 300 people around the globe training all of this across the board. So it becomes economical for them and they measure, activate, cultivate. So, as I said, measure with the tool, activate learning programmes and ongoing learning for the cultivate. It's very simple. It's only taken us 30 years to work it all out.
0: It's as <laughs> big in a scale than what I first imagined. I first imagined it was you going around all these places, but you've actually scaled it up so that... Oh, yeah,
1: there's hundreds you... of people that... We've got other consultants using our tool. We've got hundreds of people in organisations doing this, and we've got branches around the globe. Right, I see. That's, um, so that um, is why you know our head office is London now. But it's um, something that... It's like you know that old saying, teach people how to fish. So if we can get people in organisations running the, the courses and the programmes, and then it filters down throughout the whole organisation. One of the things I love is from the CEO to the front line, they all get involved. A CEO says, I'm, I'm doing the Heart Styles journey and my people at the front line, and we're all in it together. There's these two corny phrases we've got. We're all in it together. Yeah. And if it's meant to be, it's up to me. What do you mean by that? Well, if it's meant to be, if we're meant to have a better culture and a better organisation, it's not just up to the CEO and the leaders. Yes, it's got to be led by them. But we're all in it together. And if it's meant to be, it's up to me. If we want a better culture, it's up to me at the front line to be part of that. And it's up to me to look after the customer. It's up to me to work as a team member. And it's up to me to develop myself But what often happens is when the culture is unhealthy, everyone just blames the leadership. It's the toughest thing you'll do in life is being an effective leader, like being an effective leader, an effective parent and an effective partner. And and it is really hard when you're leading a group, you're leading an organisation, it is really hard to be seen as effective because people are so quick to blame leadership. Now, when we've got an organization that's doing heart styles and the ceo says i'm doing it and i and you're doing it so we're all in it together the next thing is if it's meant to be it's up to me if we're going to have a great organization everybody from the front line right through to the ceo is saying i've got a responsibility to make it that way
0: Mm -hmm. it must be hard to convince people at this sort of lower pay grade because some of the CEOs the salaries are 50 times more than the the, the employees And so I don't I don't know how it I couldn't work for every organization because like if a if, if guy's up a hundred times more than the lower guy no matter what he says right he's going to be hard to convince that he's really in the mm. best interest of you know
1: lower staff at, at the same time if he's investing in you you um, frontline worker and that organisation is investing in you personally, and you want to grow, and you want to advance your career, and they will promote you, right? Um, And then you want to go and get further education, and they will support your further education. They will support you saying, well, you know, in five years' time, I want to get a university degree, and I might leave the organisation. If you've got one of these well-paid CEOs saying, I support that philosophy in my organisation, I support bringing out the best in you. Are there
0: any CEOs that do that?
1: Yeah, well, we, that's, they're, they're, they're the CEOs we get to work with. Right, okay, right. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's where someone goes, okay, and, you know, it's a, it's a big job leading an organization. It's a big job and a big responsibility. And if you're doing it and doing it well, you should get paid well to do it. Um, because it's, it's trying to keep, you know, a business going it's trying to keep thousands and thousands of people employed mm-hmm. and as we said it's it's sad to see businesses go under it, it really is tough
0: yeah ceos must be working something some crazy hours maybe 60 hours a week seven hours
1: a week sometimes yeah. yeah and again a good ceo is only as good as the people they get around them yeah. so if you've got an incredible leadership team that's also got the next level of people who are committed and and passionate and, and they've got the talent. A CEO should do what we call in our book, helicopter leadership. They should be able to rise above all of the business, get in their helicopter and hover over the business and say, what does this need? If they're working 70 hours a week on the ground, they don't get to see the big picture.
0: Must be hard for a CEO because they're putting that huge amount of personal effort into their career mm. their, their company, but they're the ones that are will take the flak first, so mm. they especially shareholders mm. um, shareholders um the press. Mm the CEO takes take the brunt of any mistakes and, and they'll remember your mistakes for the rest of their life mm. so in a sense any current CEO must have a positive track record otherwise mm. and and, and, it can, and you can be one mistake and then maybe that's their end of their, their position mm. and it would be hard for them to get another CEO position because who wants to hire somebody who's took mm. their share price to 30% of what it was previously you know uh, yeah must be hard to operate above the line as a CEO.
1: I think, well, just, you know, again, take it out. of when we've talked a lot about CEO, but just take it out of take it out of the corporate world, just take it into life. You know, I'm trying to do life. And the person you love the most, your partner criticizes you. And how quickly can you go below the line? You know, where are the car keys? I don't know where the car keys are. You had them last. No, you had them last. And all of a sudden, we're having, a, having the almighty blue just over the car keys, right? So, like, staying above the line is not easy, you know, wherever we are. Yeah. And unfortunately, those people who live out of self-limiting fear never reach their potential, and those people coming out of ego-driven pride, um, unfortunately, um, are not as effective as they could be as leaders, parents. Um, and you know if they're 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 running countries if they're in politics and we could let's not get onto that but you can just see that um, if you're coming from that ego-driven pride yeah as a politician how destructive it can be.
0: So we're coming up to the hour here. Just I want to touch on on this book you've written here. This is a new book.
1: Yeah, so the book, um, Living and Leading with Heart Above the Line, is um, being released in uh, January Oh yeah. across the globe. It's um, you know, 30 plus years of work into our first book. HarperCollins have published it and got the world-wide rights to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, see, our product's in 27 languages. So this book is only obviously being released in English to start with. But our Heart Styles product that you can do online is in 27 languages. Wow. So I've just got back from a trip in Russia, and you've got all, all people in, in, in Russia doing Heart Styles in Russia in Russian. Um, and I'm delivering a program to the leadership team with one of those uh, earpieces doing the interpretation, instant interpretation. Instant like, interpretation, huh? Yep, like, um, you know, the United Nations, you've got the earpiece, so yes. I speak in English, and there's someone in a booth at the back of the room um, speaking what I've said in Russian, and then they reply in Russian, and there's someone in the booth translating that back into English. Nice. And, um, heart styles is in those 27 languages. So at the moment, the book is being released in January um, in English-speaking nations, so the UK, US, Australia, New Zealand, and off we go. It's a lot of content in this
0: book. It's, it's small, small print and there's a lot of pages.
1: Yeah.
0: So we'll need to have you, have you on again to talk about some of yeah. this book for us.
1: Well, it's 30 years' work, but it's, it's broken into three sections. The first section is why we behave the way we behave in life why we actually do the things we do, which um, has helped so many people just understanding the why. The next section of the book is what it looks like, and that's explaining the heart styles indicator, what it actually looks like. The third part of the book is how do I live above the line? Give me some how to's. Don't just tell me that I'm above or below the line, but give me some how to's. And that's where the book is broken into why what it looks like and how to be a more effective person and you know live your potential they're they're corny phrases like live your potential and be your best self and we're all on a journey i mean all those words have been overused for years but at the same time if you take the cynicism out of that um how can we help people be their best self how can we help people um live their potential and that's my story when I was 19 a book changed my life mm-hmm. I've lived more and more of my potential and I'm hoping that this book 19 year olds can pick up 19 to 99 year olds can pick up and change their life and give them an opportunity to grow
0: so it's also interesting but it's because it's your your wife is a consulting neuroscientist neurophysiologist yes she's yeah, so, and,
1: uh, my wife, Mara is a PhD clinical neuropsychologist and I'm a long-term project. So that, that's really interesting because I have a degree in, in biophysics and
0: you've, you've got a lot of stuff that you can verify statistically. Well, that's... Somebody what... who's an expert in that area and it's your wife. It's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What do they say? She's a psychotherapist. I'm the psycho and she's the therapist. <laughs> 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 so... Yeah, it is great. It's a great combination of smart and heart. Uh, You know, we've obviously got to use our brain and and we've got to use our heart. Put those two things together. So we could rave about it all day. This book looks fascinating. man. Um, I'll definitely get a copy of that when it comes out. Yeah, guess what your Christmas present
0: will be. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's great. All right, Stephen. Anything else you want to share with our listeners before before we uh, have it up?
1: Uh, well, it's, it's been great uh, having a chat with you. And I suppose we just believe the quality of one's life, the way they live and lead, comes from the attitude of the heart. And I just hope that people's hearts, some people's hearts have been wounded, you know, they've been criticised, they've come from rejection. Some people's hearts haven't been loved. They've, they've come from abandonment. And I just hope that people uh, in life can find the gold within their heart. Find the good and the gold and start to uh, not live out of those voids and wounds of life, but actually live out of the gold and the potential that they have. And I hope that somewhere along the line that your podcast, our book, our little bit that we're doing can unlock somebody that can unlock them into a, a better journey in life. So, Greg...
0: All right, Stephen, that was brilliant. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, The Scotsman and the Aussie.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, thank you, my listener, for spending some time in your day listening to this podcast. And uh, any feedback will be greatly appreciated on uh, iTunes reviews, um, five-star reviews if possible. And, uh, yeah, so have a good day, and we'll see you again soon on Influencers Cafe. Bye-bye.